let there be light. Good morning. My name is Pastor Eric, and uh, I'm, uh, I was thinking as I prepared this week that I haven't done two sermons in a row since 2015 when I was still in full-time ministry, so I'm exhausted. It's a, and you're probably exhausted, too. Uh, well, the good news is, is that this is the last week of Pastor Brian's sabbatical, and so he'll be back with us next week, and so we'll be able to welcome him back. I would encourage you to drop him a note just to encourage him and tell him how much uh, you're grateful for him um, as well. He's an important part of our team. And so we welcome you. If you're online, we welcome you. I hope when you came in, you received this um, connection card or worship guide or I don't whatever we call it. But there's a place at the bottom if you're a guest. We'd love to have your information so we can connect with you as well. There's a place on the back for some sermon notes. We'll get to that in a moment. And just a couple of announcements before we get started today. A reminder, they're on here as well. Ladies' Night event coming up on August 13th. Um, I think you can contact Angela here uh, if you're interested in that. Um, fall, gr fall groups will kick off. It's funny to say fall, isn't it? I mean, it's 105 degrees today, and we're talking about summer's winding down, fall's on the way. But anyway, it's happening, and we need some life group leaders. And so if you are interested in leading a group, we'd love to have you uh, to talk to us so that we can get those started. I think that kicks off on September 11th. And so talk to Pastor Wayne about that, and then a reminder that the AA uh, support group meets today at 3 o'clock here at the church. And so, again, we welcome you. I'm glad you're here. Uh, are you ready for something different? Well, that's good because you're going to get it whether you're ready or not. That's because that's what I've uh, come with today. So last week we finished our A Mile in Their Shoes series, and I thought we'd take a Sunday to maybe do something just a little bit different. And so I invited you to bring your Bible, so now would be a good time to kind of get those out and get them warmed up, get your fingers limbered up, and grab an ink pen. Um, I hope that you need those today. But in, in the world that we live in of technology, I think that there's one thing that has suffered. And that's just the ability to take our Bibles to read, discern, break down, navigate Scripture. Now, I love having the Bible on my phone. Don't get me wrong, and it doesn't bother me to see you pick them up in church and follow along. In fact, it makes it easier to take our Bibles to school or to work or wherever we are. It makes it easy to carry our Bible there. But there's, I think that there's almost a laziness that settles on us when we begin to depend on this, and we miss some things that that come from the scripture and so today the difference is is we're just going to kind of do an old-fashioned bible study and so i'm going to encourage you to take notes now you know i know some people who just feel odd about writing in their bibles i am not one of those and so back when i was in school years ago uh, believe it or not i played football and uh guess what position Offense is correct. Position. I was an offensive guard in the line. So I was 145 pounds. Uh, and the truth is, for the most part of my football career, I did a lot of time sitting on the bench. But uh, that's just this full disclosure. But anyway, uh, we, at fall practice, when it started, we, the very first day of practice, we got these wonderful things called playbooks. And we were tasked, our assignment was to know that playbook inside and out before we got started in the games because that's how we functioned as a team. Also years ago when I was in school, we had these things called textbooks. And they were actually these things like this that you could open and read. And it wasn't uncommon to hear your, your professor, your teacher say, write this in the margin. And you knew that was going to be on the test. 
And so that is kind of what we're going to do today. We're going to, to read through a passage of Scripture, and we're, I'm going to encourage you to write in the margins. Now, there is no test, but we may ap- apply that later. And so this is our textbook. As Christians, this guides us. It's our playbook. It's what we need, and we need to know it inside and out if we're to live the way that Christ lives us today. So today's a lot less like a sermon and a lot more kind of like just a Bible study. So you have my permission to write in your Bibles. There are pens. If you need a piece of paper, actually, they're in the back, so just hold up your hand, and I even have some blank paper for you to take some notes in. So there's a few up here. So grab that. And that we will get started. And before we go, a few, no, not a few years ago, many years ago, at the point at where I, I discerned that it was time that I fully surrendered my life, you see, I'd kind of been one of those um, Christians that just kind of played Christian for a lot of years. And there was a point in my life when I knew that God was calling me deeper. And I needed to understand this. And one of the most helpful things in my journey since then was a, a wise saint said, let me teach you a roadmap to understanding your Bible. And so we, he takes that, he took that, and he broke it down, R-O-A-D, roadmap. And that's on your connection card. So you see those letters on your connection card. And so I'm going to have you write what that stands for in just a moment as we get started. But... True to schoolwork and school time, remember the teacher used to say, Steve, would you read that from your textbook? Steve, would you read from our textbook this morning? Romans chapter 12 is where we are today. Steve? Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function so in Christ we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others we have different gifts according to the grace given to us if a man's gift is prophesying let him use it in proportion to his faith if it is serving let him serve if it is teaching let him teach If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. And if showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you and bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another and do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. 
Do not repay any evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. All right, so write this in the margins. R stands for read it. So the first step to, to breaking down scripture is you have to read it. And I, I'm also a fan of the, the listening thing, you know, on our phones. But I think there's also just something about opening the text and reading it with your own eyes. And so R stands for read it. O stands for observe what it says. Observation. A stands for application apply what it says and then D stands for discern and pray discern what it's saying and then pray so read it observe apply discern and that's what we're going to do today so I have no three point like pastor type stuff I read through this this week and I made some observations that's what you're going to hear today I would encourage you, make your own observations. Write them in the margins or on your note paper, and then we'll talk about how to apply that in just a moment. So Romans chapter 12 is where we're going to spend our time today. And before we get to the actual text, um, when we read Scripture, it's also a good idea to kind of see where you're at. And a couple things that are important is it's important to kind of know some backstory. So we're in Romans chapter 12. What happened in Romans chapter 1 through 11? Well, Paul is the author here, and Paul is, in the first 11 chapters, he explains the gospel and God's grace and mercy. That's why we, we have the Romans road. That's a lot of where that comes from is the gospel and God's grace and mercy. And so he lays that out in the first 11 chapters. It's also important to know who's writing and who he's writing to. I just told you Paul is writing one of the, the, the great apostles, the first missionaries, but who is he writing to? Well, the book of Romans tells us he's probably writing to to a, the church in Rome or to the Christians in Rome and that group is primarily then made up of Romans or Gentiles non-Jews now there are probably some Jews mixed in uh, as there were in most of the churches there and so but primarily he's writing to Romans who really don't have the background that the Jews would have as far as God is concerned and all of those things so that's a little of the backstory then we get to Romans chapter 12 and here's the first observation the very first word Therefore, Now, you've heard this a lot from this pulpit. Anytime you see the word therefore, pay attention. It's, I heard it, it's there for a reason. And so the therefore is in light of God's grace and mercy and this wonderful thing called the gospel, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters. Now that phrase, here's another observation, that phrase, brothers and sisters, tells me he's writing to Christians to people who share the faith, and that's important. If he was writing to non-Christians, then we'd need to take note of that, but here he's writing to a group of brothers and sisters, so primarily to, to Christians. That's an observation and a little bit of the backstory. And so, what does he, what's important there? What's it there for? Well, therefore, then begins to lay out how 
do we respond in light of the gospel and God's grace and mercy? In other words, how are we to live that out? And that's what Romans chapter, I think Romans chapter 12 is one of the most magnificent chapters in the Bible. Now the Bible is all wonderful. But Romans chapter 12, if you just want some nuts and bolts about how to live out your faith, spend some time in Romans chapter 12. That's what Paul's laying out here. And so I've noticed that therefore, he's urging us and to, he's urging us to offer. And the observation I made here is that I have a choice, don't I? I urge you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. So I have a choice. I can either offer, uh, choose to offer my body or I can choose not to. There are some promises that come on the front side of that that we'll talk about a little later on. And we like promises. And so I urge you in light of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. And then he goes on to tell us a little bit about what that means. He says to be transformed and not conformed. So what does transformed mean? I heard it. Change, to be made new. So to be transformed is to take something old and, and it becomes new. And it, in my observation, it, it reminded me of some passages of Scripture. That as Christians, we are new creations. So we are made new. We are new creations. The old is gone. The new has come. And so transformation is that process of the old and being made new so he says, in order to, to be this living sacrifice, be transformed by Christ, but not to be conformed. What does conformed mean? It means to be melded, to be welded like everybody else. Now, here's kind of an observation that I made that I think is important in the way that I read this. So we just said he's writing to Romans, didn't we? So what are Romans accustomed to? Conforming, absolutely. They had Roman style of life and you lived by this style of life. But the truth is, what were the Jews used to? Conforming to what? The law. And so Paul's saying, wherever you're sitting, folks, wherever you're sitting, be transformed by the mind of, to be like the mind of Christ. Don't look like the world around you. And then the most powerful part of this, I urge you to offer yourselves as living sacrifices. So here's the question that came to me. So if we're to be living sacrifices, I wrote this down, what's a dead sacrifice? That's a contrast, right? So what would, what's, what's a dead sacrifice? So how does, a, a, in the sacrificial system, how did the sacrificed animal fulfill its purpose? It died. As Christians, we are to be the opposite of that. We're to be sacrifices in life as we live. Everything about what we are as we're transformed is for the purpose of being a living sacrifice. Not for pie in the sky, one day I get the heaven stuff, but when I walk the streets right now, I'm to be a living sacrifice. Now, it would be pretty amazing if it ended there, 
But what Paul does is he spends the rest of the chapter, chapter telling us what that looks like. And these are some things I've observed uh, in that process. Um, he says, to be a living sacrifice, first of all, I'm to be humble. And as I read that, it drew, drew me to Scripture to James. There are a lot of places in Scripture where we read this very phrase. And when we read something over and over and over again in Scripture, what does that tell us? It's important. It also tells us that it's probably something that we might struggle with a little bit if we need to be told. I mean, remember your mom and dad? How many times do I have to tell you? I think there's a little bit of that here. How many times do I have to tell you? First of all, to be a living sacrifice, you need to, to be a little bit humble. So what does that mean for me? Well, it means that I need to put others above me where I am. And several times in this chapter, he talks about that I, don't need, to, I need to think of myself maybe a little less, right? That I need to lower me to exalt others. And so I need to be humble. I need to, um, to put others before myself and not have an overinflated view. The second thing I think was when I was reading this, my observation was <laughs> is very important because he spends more verses talking about what's next than anything else. And that is as living sacrifices, we are to be a part of the body. We're to be a part of the body. More verses than any other verses in this chapter. We're called to be a part of community. So when we surrender our lives to Christ, God doesn't give us something to do. He gives us the tools to serve others. And he spends several verses here talking about that. And folks, when we surrender our lives, fully surrender our lives to Christ, we're told that we are given in Christ gifts to serve, not things to do. And that's important. And we are called to do those in the body. Did you catch that? He says we're all one, but we are members of a body. And as a member of body, this body is equipped to accomplish what God wants it to do, and he provides everything we need. But we're all different, aren't we? And so I, I don't know about you, but if I was missing an arm, I probably wouldn't function quite the same as if I had all my, my arms. If I didn't have my eyesight, I probably wouldn't be able to do things that I would do if I had my eyesight. So you are an important part of this body. You have been given a gift that no one else in this body can do. It's yours. Now, if you choose to remove yourself and say, well, I'm an arm, but I'm going to go serve by myself over here, I'm going to tell you, if you cut my arm off and go put it over there, it's not going to accomplish much. It's going to hurt. My body's going to hurt. And so as living sacrifices, we need to find our place in the body and serve and he lays out what some of those gifts look like in community and I'll take that a step further I believe that when we try to separate when we try to, to do the lone ranger thing it hurts the heart of God because we read up at the very top and one of the, the, the main things as a pastor I hear the most when someone comes to sit down with me is I say I want to know what God's will is for me 
I hear that over and over and over again. I just want to know God's will. Well, he says his perfect and pleasing will is to be transformed. It's to be a living sacrifice. And here's what that means. It means you mean, need to be a part of the body. I truly believe that, that that means we drive a stake in the ground and we say, these are my people. This is my church. Here are my gifts. Let's go win the kingdom for Jesus. And we do that best when we do it together. And when we try to do it on our own, not only do we suffer, does the body suffer, but I think it hurts the heart of God. Because you've heard Pastor Brian say, there is no plan B. He said, this is my, my church, and your task is to take the gospel to the outermost parts of the world. So that's a sermon for another day. So living sacrifices, we're humble, we find our place in the body, and as living sacrifices, verses 9 to 13, it says that we are also to be authentic. We're to be authentic. And he says the first way to do that is to love each other. And when you translate the love must be sincere, that literally translates sincerely be loving. Sincerely be loving. And there's a lot of insincere love in our world today. In Christ, we're to sincerely be loving to others. And that means that we love without expectation. That's, that's the purest form of love, right? You're familiar with the word agape? Write that in the notes if you don't. Agape is that purest form of love, unconditional love, where I'm going to love because I'm in Christ and I've been transformed by him, not because I just need to do it because I'm a Christian. And God says, go love somebody. When I have the mind of Christ and my heart is transformed, my mind is transformed, then I love without expectation. I love because he first loved me, it says in Scripture was an observation I made. He also says to honor one another, to honor one another, and that ties into humility, doesn't it? So what does it mean to honor somebody? It means to give them value, to give them value, make them valuable in the kingdom. And again, we're writing to brothers and sisters, so we're to honor one another, which means we, we value each other. And again, we live in a world that is a devaluing world. Because you don't believe like I believe, because you don't think like I believe, because you don't do what I do, you're not as good as me. Folks, the world needs to see the opposite of that. They need to say, see that we are created equal, that we are loved in, by the, the side, in the sight of God, and therefore we're going to honor each other. So we honor each other, we love each other, and I love what I, my next note was, that living sacrifice are zealous followers. And so I love that word zeal or zealous. Now I love it enough that I wasn't sure what it meant. And so I went and looked it up. Anybody have a guess? What does it mean to be zealous? Passionate? To be on fire? Enthusiastic? sold out all of those is true the actual when I looked it up it the definition was showing great energy and enthusiasm in pursuit of a belief or cause and so the very next thing I wrote that challenged me all week is what am I zealous for because we're all zealous and I wrote three things down that that tugged at my heart all week and they still tug at my heart right now I'm zealous for sports I'm zealous about my stuff and I'm zealous about myself. Wow. 
So I'm called as a brother and sister, as a Christian, as a transformed person and believer in Christ, that I'm to be zealous in pursuit of my faith. I'm to be a living sacrifice. And the three things I wrote down are in direct contrast to what I'm called to be. So what are you zealous about? As a transformed Christian, we're to be zealous. What does that look like? If I'm a zealous Christian, tomorrow when I go to wherever I'm going to go, how does that zealousness translate to my work, to my school, to wherever I am tomorrow, to the, the golf course, to the basketball court? Get where I'm saying? Because that zealousness is how I'm eventually known. That's how I'm defined. Man, that Eric, he's really passionate about blank. Another observation, we're to pray faithfully. Um, it's done with perseverance and faith. And Joyce, I forgot to ask for permission, but Joyce told the most amazing story about faithful prayer and praying when you're called to pray this morning in the worship team. And so, Joyce, can I tell him to talk to you if you want to know? All right, so ask Joyce if you want a story of, of faithful prayer. And, and James, the faithful, effective prayer of a righteous man does what? It accomplishes much. So you want a good starting place, pray faithfully. And then share with one another. And I, my observation, I, I read that, and I was drawn to Acts chapter 2 and the very first church, and they met together regularly, they shared communion, but they had all things what? They had all things in common. And so I, I wrote down, what does that mean? So does that mean that everything I own, my stuff that I hold on to, that I'm just supposed to throw it out there and, and give it away? Well, I, I guess I'll leave that to the Holy Spirit and you. Not necessarily, but it means that I'm to share. If I see a need, I'm to be willing to, to share with those in need. I'm, I'm to be willing to give up something I have or I hold dear for the sake of the body, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of being transformed. And so share with one another. Um, be willing to give to, to others. Are we okay so far? Roll your shoulders, whatever you need to relax. Take a deep breath. Isn't this fun? All right, so more observations. So not only as a living sacrifice are we, are we humble, um, but we're also to bless others. I read in verses 14 to 16 of the observations I made. Now, hold on tight, strap up your belt, because the very first thing here is to bless others that includes those who don't treat me right to include those, to bless those who don't treat me right. How do I bless those who aren't my favorites? It's easy to bless people to bless you, isn't it? But how do I bless those who aren't my favorites? Hmm. Pray for them. Treat them with value, honor. Put them above where you are. And so we are to bless those who don't treat us right we're to rejoice with others and that means generally rejoice to generally share joy with others now i spent some time in the south and i don't i don't mean to to demean this but i heard the phrase you know what i'm about to say bless your heart way more than I was prepared to and what I came to understand after about three years is a lot of times when I heard that phrase they were saying yeah, he'll get his but bless your heart 
that general rejoicing is that, gen, that sharing that general, genu, it's easy for you to say, that authentic joy that someone else is sharing. It's to be happy for them truly. And so to rejoice with others, to strive to live in harmony and peace with each other. And when I think about harmony, I think about it, it means in agreement, but it doesn't always mean that we agree, does it? I mean, in this body right here, there are a number of things that we don't agree on. But can we still be in agreement? Absolutely. Especially as it regards to the kingdom and to the gospel and to being transformed and to the work of the gospel. So as a body, we have a lot of things that we may differ in agreement, but as a body, we can be in agreement and we can live in harmony together, right? And so what does that look like? What does that mean for me? What does that mean on my part? And then it says, I guess he says it a second time just because he knows it's a problem, don't be proud or conceited. <laughs> and the question I wrote in my margin, is that me? So you can see maybe something that I struggle with a little bit. Is that me? Am I, you know, there, I always have said there's two kinds of people that you meet when you're in the grocery store. When you see somebody, there's that person, when you see them, you duck because you don't want them to see you. And then there's a person that you see and you, you kind of make sure you're in the same aisle because you want to engage. Why is that? Because that person encourages you. They're not conceited. They don't think most of themselves. They're gonna, you know they're going to make you feel better about your world. But the people you duck from, you know, probably not so much. You don't really want to engage them. I want to be the kind of person that when I'm in the aisle, people come up to me and say, oh, so good to see you, and not run. I guess I'll have to ask you which one of those you think. All right, so authentic Christians, living sacrifices, bless others, and we also are to set the example in verses 17 and 19. So my observations, don't repay evil with evil. Now, as a Christian, as a lifelong Christian for the most part, and a lot of us are in that same boat, you know, we probably aren't slashing somebody's tires when they do us wrong, are we? Probably not. We're probably not picking a fight with somebody because we disagree and punch them in the nose. But are there ways that we repay evil for evil? You know what I think probably the, the best way that we get sucked into doing that? I call it the black book of offenses. And this is especially true if you're married. And that all of us, we keep a black book. And why do we do that? It's so that later on when something happens, we can say, yeah, but that one time, do you remember when? Or you always do this. And so I think one of the ways as Christians we are guilty of doing the evil for evil is by kind of keeping a chart book or a black book of the way people treat us and offend us so that when the time comes, we can reciprocate that if we need to. We need to live righteously. And when I wrote that down, I, I thought, now what does that mean? It means that my life should look different that my life, if I'm transformed, if I'm something new from verses 1 and 2, then I should be transformed into something new. And so my life, my character should look different than those who are conformed. So when someone engages me, when they hit, find me in the grocery store in the aisle, they know there's something different about him or her, right? 
because he's been transformed. That's righteousness. Holiness is not an option, folks. We can't turn the holiness switch on and off depending on who we're with, what we're doing, and the gang that we hang out with. Our lives are to be righteous or to be holy at all times. That's how we set an example, is we live righteously or set apart righteous. God made us righteous. That's one of the things that, that Paul reminds them of in the, one of, in the first 11 chapters, is that you have been made righteous. That means in right standing with God. My life should reflect that. So, to live righteously, and then he tells us that we're to live at peace with all. Now, <laughs> this was interesting as I pondered this and made this observation he says live peacefully but he, he, he tags something on the front of it did you catch that as much as it depends on you live at peace with all men hmm. now I still have some pondering to do here what does that mean so we're to live at peace but here he says, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. Well, there are times in life when maybe living peacefully, you know, it just, it doesn't happen. But I need to make sure that from my part, I'm striving my best to live at peace. Now, when I think of peace, does that mean that my world is free of, of all of the unpeace? No. It means I have the peace of Christ that rules in my heart. And so in all things, I can be at peace. And again, that should show to others. <laughs> I've known people, and I know you're not one of those, whose life is always chaos, whose life is always uncalm or always the next thing. Now, folks, stuff happens in life. Example, last week, I worked my 50 hours at work. I had 18 hours of continuing ed I had to get done by the end of the day Sunday and Wednesday they called me and said oh yeah can you preach <laughs> my life was pretty chaotic last week but because of the strength and the peace of Christ you know rather than live in a chaotic world I just said Jesus take control you be you and do what you do that's the difference that that transformation makes for me so live at peace don't seek revenge but trust God to take care of it that's hard self-preservation is natural isn't it if someone does you wrong what do you want to do it's natural to, to want to get even and so he says don't do that but he says something more interesting uh, he says that you know leave room for God's wrath in fact the very at the end uh, he says as living sacrifices treat your enemies differently interesting that he would end here isn't it is the observation I made you know, he's talked all about the things I struggle with in my personal life, and now he says, not everybody's going to like you. You ever thought about that? You ever thought, you know, not everybody in this world likes me. In fact, some people probably don't like me. That's sometimes hard to grapple with, but our enemies. So here's another thing to write in your margins. Ready? God's goodness helps us overcome the world's evil. God's goodness helps us overcome the world's evil. So that transformation that takes place makes it possible for us truly to feed our neighbors, our enemies, when they're hungry. Not because we're supposed to, to check off the box as a Christian, I'm supposed to do this. When we're transformed in the mind, into the mind of Christ, then I can truly feed my enemy when he's hungry. 
because I realize that God loves that person as much as he loves me. I can give that person something to drink because they're thirsty, not because I'm required to, but because in Christ, I love that person like Jesus loves that person. And then he ends with that interesting tidbit. In doing this, you'll heap, you know, God will heap burning coals or you'll heap burning coals. And that just means God's going to take care of it in the end, right? I don't have to take revenge. I don't have to get even. Eventually, God is the ultimate judge. He's going to handle that. As a living sacrifice, I just need to make sure I'm treating my enemies with the love of Christ. So those are some observations I made about what it means to be a living sacrifice. So, R, we've read it. O, we've made some observations. What about application? One more thing for you to write down. So, I have three statements that kind of outline my pastoral ministry. This is one of them that, that has, I've always used. B- doing flows from being. So, by way of application, doing flows from being. In other words, our success in serving God is dependent upon the love that we have for God we get this backwards so I'm sitting down with somebody and they say I just want to know what I'm supposed to do what's God's will well he kind of lays it out here his will is for you to be a living sacrifice so when you came to know Christ he didn't just give you something to do he made you a new creation and it's out of that new creation then that you go do and if you try to do without going deeper in Christ, you're going to be working in your own strength and power, and you're going to get tired. As a pastor, I'm guilty of that. There are times when, when I get so busy as a pastor that my sermons get bogged down because I'm not focusing on the in Christ part. I'm focusing on what I have to do. There are times when I get worn out and weary because, again, I'm trying to do things in my own strength because I want to do what God wants me to do rather than be who God wants me to be. And he's far more interested in your heart than he is in what you're doing. Start with the heart, and out of the heart flows what your hands do. That's the application. So that leaves the D. Discern and pray. So what do we do with this? Well, the first thing I'm going to encourage you to do is I hope you've taken some notes, and this is stuff that you can camp on all week. There are some things here I hope that through the week you say, all right, how is this lived out, this living sacrifice thing in my life? I hope you've circled some things maybe that you need to work on. Maybe you've underlined some things that, that you do well. So here's what I want to do for the D part today is I want to take some time and reflect and respond. And here's what that's going to look like. In a few moments, there's a, a video that's going to play. It's a song called Living Sacrifice by Brandon, Brandon Lake. I would like you to take this time and first of all, look at your notes and pray, God, what are some things that you're speaking today? Some things I need to work on. I would like to call you to act. Feel free. If there's someone in the room that has encouraged you, go find them and say, thank you for encouraging me. There may be somebody in the room that you need to go say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I acted this way. I'm sorry I felt this. So that's the act part. You may need to to pray about finding your place in the body because God's gifted you to do something. What is it? Are you doing it? 
And so you, need, you may need to, to, to pray about that. You may need to make a note that I'm going to contact Pastor Brian or Pastor Dylan or whoever pastor you want to contact about finding your place to, to serve in this body. Maybe you've been doing it on your own too much. You may just need to pray. The altar is open. If you feel led, come pray. If you'd like somebody to pray with you, the prayer team members are around. They'll, they'll come and join you in that prayer. And so you are encouraged by way of the deed, discern, and, and pray to spend this time kind of reflecting on your notes, on the things the Holy Spirit may have re revealed to you as we've walked through this. And so at the end of that time, I will come up, I'll set up offering, and we'll have some, uh, some prayer time at the end. Are you ready? Set? Go.
on, there you go. Your homework this week is to use that roadmap and camp in Romans chapter 12. See what uh, God would speak about you and your life in being a living sacrifice. We have a lot uh, as we approach offering today to offer, don't we? And so let's, uh, let's go to him in prayer. Um, the offering boxes are in the back, so feel free when you leave today to leave your offering. But there are some other things uh, that we can offer uh, as we think about the living sacrifice. So let's pray. Father, what a good God you are. Father, you, um, in your grace and mercy, you reached down and, and you grabbed us, Father, at the points for some of us where we were really unlovable. So thank you for that. Father, thank you for uh, your grace, your mercy. Thank you for your gifts. Thank you for um, those gifts that allow us to serve in this body. Father, there are those in this body we know that are hurting or struggling. Father, thank you for the way that you are going to touch their lives as we pray faithfully. Father, this morning we offer as living sacrifice ourselves. Father, we know that uh, that requires that we humble ourselves, that we set examples, that we live righteously, that holiness is not an option. We know that that means that we need to find our place in the Bible, in the body. So, Father, we offer all of that. I ask, I invite you and your Holy Spirit to come and speak this morning as we think about what that means for us. So, Father, take this, take this time of giving and uh, use it for your glory. Take our gifts, Father. We offer them to you. Take our lives. Transform us into something new so that when we go out tomorrow, we're different and others see that. And then give us the boldness to say, I'm different because you love me. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.